The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, draft.com. It's a great way to play daily fantasy sports. They started out with the snake-style drafts just the way you like them. They have auction-style drafts and the best balls they've been absolutely crushing it with. And if you're new to draft, use promo code SD Sports, SD as in dog sports, to get a free $3 entry into any tournament of your choice when you make your first deposit. So go to draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports. Also, go check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a fun way to play daily fantasy. It's all about the prop bets. They do uh Golf, they do basketball, baseball, football, you name it. They're cranking up for the NFL season right now. And it's really, really cool. You pick like 10 picks, two ice picks. You take the over or the under on the prop bet. The most points wins. It's tons and tons of fun. And if you're new there, use promo code SPORTSDGENS, all one word, when you make your first deposit of $10 or more and you get a free $10 into your account. So go to thrivefantasy.com, promo code SPORTSDGENS, for free $10 when you make your first $10 or more deposit. Last but not least, if you've been rating and review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. It'd help the podcast out in a big, big way. But for now, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 201, your wide receiver fantasy football preview with Chris Meany of The Athletic. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 201 tonight going to preview the wide receiver position across fantasy football in order to do so special guest of the podcast a friend of the podcast you can find his work at the athletic and on twitter at chris meany chris how we doing man uh, doing great, Baba. It's nice to. It's been a while actually since we've we chat every day. We're talking all yes. the time, TQE running uh, running things over there. But it's nice to actually like you know hear your voice, get do a little yeah. show, talk some football. Preseason already full swing. I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me. 
No problem. Yeah, preseason's in full effect. It is good to chat with you. You've been on Bench with Bubba once. I've been on one of your shows. It's uh, yes. always fun. Always fun uh, getting the the voice to voice interaction over just the uh, the DMs and whatnot. So that's right. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun with that. We the wide receiver position. As I was putting the outline together, I'm just going to preface this for people. You could do like seven podcasts on the wide receiver position. So. Yeah. We're not going to go that deep. I'm going to keep Chris over here for about maybe an hour, give or take. Um, and we're going to go from there. So we'll hit all the big guys. If you guys got more questions, go to The Athletic. Go check out what Chris and all the boys got going on over there because it's awesome stuff, and, and they'll have you covered. But let's start out. When I'm, I'm just going to use Fantasy Pros Consensus ADP uh, for PPR leagues, so it'll vary. But let's start with the big four. You got DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones, and these, for the most part, seem to be the consensus top four that come off the board. How do you differentiate them all? Because, you know, everyone, some have Adams first, some have Julio, some have Hopkins. How do you view these four? It's tough. You're really splitting hairs with these four guys. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong if you leave your draft or the first round with one of either Hopkins, Adams, Jones, or Thomas. I mean, when I look at them all, I feel like the most skilled is Hopkins. I feel like he's the best wide receiver in football. And maybe the safest, maybe Julio Jones, honestly, like just, I know a lot of people talk about the touchdowns and they finally came back last year, eight, the year before that, where were they? But I'm talking about a guy who has had at least 1400 yards in five straight seasons. I mean, Adams has never had 1400 yards. Hopkins just had his first. He's coming off the 15 yard, 1500 yard season, almost 1600 yards. In fact, and then you go Michael Thomas, who's coming off his first as well, 1,400 yards. I mean, they're all studs. They're all the number one options in their offense. Uh, I, I don't feel like Thomas can get that type of workload that Julio Jones and Adams and, and Hopkins get. It's close, but again, we're splitting hairs here a little bit. Just looking at targets, 147 last year. Julio led the league with 170, Adams 169, and Hopkins 163. The Saints do want to run the football as much as, you know, Sean Payton won't say that. they That's the game plan. They do want to run the football there with Drew Brees and the Saints. But honestly, like, Bubba, if you're splitting hairs, and I don't like to do this all the time with guys, maybe you just have to look at the Week 16, Week 17 schedule. I mean, you have to get there. I don't want to take too much stock into that. I really don't. But, uh, you know, you look at Week 16 leading up. I mean, Julio Jones has that unbelievable schedule coming out of the bye. Of course, the foot, there always seems to be something with him. But out of that bye week, it's like New Orleans, Carolina, Tampa, the Saints again, Carolina, San Fran. Like, that's a that's a pretty nice schedule. And, and Atlanta tends to play in these shootouts. Their defense was, wasn't was great last year. I expect them to be a little bit more healthier this year and not playing from behind all the time. But I feel like Julio Jones is that guy. That's saying I do have them ranked Hopkins, Adams, Julio, and Michael yep. Thomas. So, again, I don't think you can go wrong. I wonder if people will be a little bit bummed with Thomas at the start of the season last year. He was so good. And then you look at the schedule to start. I mean, there's a week seven, week seven, week six, week seven game in Jacksonville, in Chicago. Those will be tough matchups for Drew Brees. Um, but then after that, it gets a little bit, you know, cakewalk schedule. It's again, you're splitting hairs, all four studs, but um, I, I, I would put Thomas in the fourth, and it does kill me because he's terrific. Yeah, we're, we're pretty similar. Like uh, for me, it's it's Jones and Hopkins, but again, splitting hairs. It's mainly more with Julio. It's the I know he gets banged up a lot, but he still suits up on Sundays. Like he doesn't practice, he suits up. He's consistent as they come, like yardage leader after yardage leader after yardage leader. He just gets fed the ball from Matt, Matty Ice, and they have a ton of games in domes this year where yeah. Matt Ice just, just flourishes. And and Hopkins is great, and Watson should be even better this year. The addition of Duke Johnson could really help actually open up more of the passing game 
potentially for Hopkins. And then you got Adams and Thomas. Like you said, it's totally splitting hairs. It's kind of like when we talk about the top four running backs, we're, we're picking, picking straws here. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it's a really interesting debate. It's one of those when you're in the first round of drafts, you know, you got the big four to five running backs. You got these big four receivers. When do you start picking your wide receivers? Is it pick five? Is it pick six? Where do you start going there? Yeah, it's, it's, Five, six range. I've started a few drafts where I am able to get Hopkins or Adams in that six, seven range. And then, you know, on the way back, lucky enough, actually, where a Thomas or a Beckham or a Juju sitting there for me. And, you know, I'll do that. I will go wide receiver, wide receiver. But if I have a top four pick like Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, Elliott and Zeke obviously has some issues right now. I, I do think he'll play. It won't miss too much time after that. I'm more willing to take the wide receiver over David Johnson or, or over Le'Veon Bell or James Conner. I'm, I'm willing to take that, take that shot there because honestly this year, there are a few running backs and this is a wide receiver show, but there are a few running backs that I like a little bit later on, like a Marlon Mack in a round three or a Dave Montgomery late three, early four, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram are guys that I like as well. So if I can leave my draft with a couple of those running backs, two of the four, and I have two stud wide receivers. Like we're talking two top five, two top tens. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about my draft. So after that first four or five, I'll start thinking about the wideouts. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. I've only done a couple drafts so far, but it seems like if you're at the front end of the draft, you're taking one of the big running backs, and then you're probably going to take a second running back or yeah. maybe a Kelsey or something to kind of leverage there. Where if you're in the back end, where I've had the ninth and tenth pick in a couple drafts, you could do that that bang bang wide receiver situation. And you mentioned all those deep – I think running back has deeper options that have the potential to – maybe safer floor deeper options, yes. if that makes sense. Um, so that's why I'm with you. I think it, the zero running backs – I hate this whole debate on zero running backs and all that. But in theory, I think it sets up really nicely this year. You mentioned a ton of them, and there's a ton more. James White's going late. There's like oh, yeah. all these guys that are going so late that I think it does lead to wide receiver strategy. That's why we can talk about it. Like you, you mentioned, it's a wide receiver show. And I think it opens up the idea that um, you can take one of these big guys, and there's a few more we'll talk about soon on the wraparound, the back end of round one, early round two. And if you want to get real wild, you can take one in round three even, if you want to get crazy, and you can have a, a lot of uh, running back options later. You've gotta, you got to know your tiers. you got to know your depth to make it work because otherwise you'll get – you know, stuck holding the bag, but there are options there. Yeah, no, there really are. And you're right about that. I mean, the safe floor, I feel like, I mean, Damian Williams is a wild card, but nobody would be totally shocked if he finishes a top 10 running back as somebody who's going now kind of in the late second range. Um, and there's some other upside guys, like obviously Delvin cook and, and carry on Johnson. But even after that, like, you want to roll the dice on a Leonard Fournette or a Devonta Freeman? Not, not really for me, but wouldn't be shocked if those guys finished as RB ones as well. But there's a floor there with Mark Ingram. Baltimore wants to run the football. Mm-hmm. Seattle wants to run the football. Chris Carson, like these are guys that are going to be involved in the offense. They're talking about Carson getting a few more looks in you know the passing game. Baltimore was showing their hand last year with Gus Edwards that he wasn't going to catch this year. Like they have Ingram. Ingram has like I think three. 50 catch seasons under his belt. So James White, you mentioned when you have almost 90 catches last year. So there's a lot of guys for, for volume and value there. And I would just rather take a, take a shot on a, after those first four wideouts and we'll get into them like a Beckham, a Hill or a Juju, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen. Then, then honestly a, a Dalvin cook or 
or Todd Leonard Gurley. Fournette like I just, I'm a little, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit. One, I, I just, I'm a little hesitant with those guys who have been hurt numerous times. Uh, so I love Nick Chubb. If I can, if I can get him, pair him up with a wideout in the first round, first second round, I'm happy with that. But for the most part, after the fifth pick, I think I'm going wideout, wideout. Yeah, and that's the thing is, if we're not saying you know you don't need to take a running back. Nick Chubb's good. Uh, if you feel frisky. You know, late round two, early round three with the Melvin Gordon, that's up to you. But that uh, could pay off big, could be super risky. But there are some. But, yeah, you nailed it. Cook, um, Fournette, you have the mix-ins that are kind of good but banged yeah. up. There's a lot of that tier of, uh, I guess I'd say, running back, what, seven through like 13 or so, where it gets really, really muddy. And uh, you have to <laughs> cross your fingers. It could pay off in, uh, in, in diamonds or it could pay off in spades. But uh, it'd be very interesting. So, yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned the guy, Odell Beckham Jr. This is a guy that people love the move to Cleveland, and I get it because Baker's awesome. The offense is really, really good. But at the same time, you know, is it's just another mouth to feed in Cleveland. He's always been a top-notch receiver with the Giants. He's just outside the top four, but I've seen some guys move him in there. Like on a couple websites, he's going the third or fourth running back or wide receiver off the board. How do you evaluate Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, the hype is real. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just it, obviously he's very flashy. He's good, like you said. He's put up some monster seasons, and then you have the Browns for the first time in a long time, as long as I can remember. They have expectations. They got primetime games. They got you know a young, exciting quarterback that everyone thinks is going to take a leap forward in Baker Mayfield. But there are some question marks. This is a new team. Baker Mayfield is still pretty young, new offensive coordinator, new offense, new coach. Like it's, it's all fairly fresh to a lot of these guys. Jarvis Landry's only been there for one season. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is coming into a new spot where this is also somebody who's only played 16 games in the last two years. Is he going to complain? Is he going to buy in? What's going to happen in the first couple of weeks if Odell Beckham Jr. has only got four catches for 45 yards and he hears all the noise? Like there are a lot of variables here with Odell Beckham Jr. I see the upside. I see the ceiling, but you also kind of alluded to it that there's just one football and a lot of guys, and Jarvis Landry is going to go back to the slot. They want to run the ball with Nick Chubb, which they can. They have a, a what I think is a pretty good tight end in David Njoku, who's going to get some soft coverage in the middle of the field. He's probably going to you know, get some easy completions for him. I, I th- The upside is completely there, but of out of all the wide receivers in the first 10, like he, I think he has the biggest chance to bust. Yep. Out of all of them, because I just don't know if he's going to get that type of volume, that that type, those type, like 124 targets last year. Is he going to get 170 targets in Cleveland, 100 catches? That's I can't say that with confidence. I can't say that he's going to do that with confidence. So in the flex draft with Jake Seeley, he he not Jake. I, I believe it was Nando. I'm not, nothing mm-hmm. against Nando. He's he takes his shots and he feels good about somebody. He gets them, and that's what people should do. And in auction drafts, but he was the most expensive wide receiver taken off the board. I mean, he's 50 really? bucks. Yeah. He was, he was oh, the most expensive. Man. And everybody else is right around the 47, $48. It's not like a big gap, but that's the type of the hype that I'm talking about. It could go very good. It can be just fine. Or, you know, it, he could be the one disappointing wide receiver out of the bunch, but I am, I am in on the Browns. I do think that they will be a really good team. And, this is the best quarterback he's with, you know, no shots here at Eli. It's the best quarterback he's going to you know, have to work with. It's no question. No question about that. Yeah. The thing with Odell that just worries me is the talent's through the roof. Like he has, he might have one of the highest ceilings for the receivers. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to, you know, call your shot, it, it makes sense. Like you're saying with, with Nando and the guys, but at the same time, the floor scares me because 
the thing with, with Odell and this, you know, this isn't great fantasy analysis, but when you're taking a, a, a late first round, early second round pick, you want this thing to hit. And when you're looking at Odell, he can be such a diva. And if he starts causing problems, Baker just seems like that guy that will just completely look the other direction. Like he does not care about your drama. Um, no. So I know that's just like a, a, that's probably horrible analysis, but when you're looking no, at 170 I, I, I hear targets, you. Yeah. Like, like, like Eli had nowhere else to go. Like he right. had to throw it up to Odell. You have Baker, who we've mentioned all these weapons, and Kitchen wants to run the football. You said it. Yes. Chubb, they they want Chubb to be a workhorse running back. So that's going to Yeah, take I expect Chubb to get like 20 carries a game. Like, oh, yeah. He should. He's one of those guys that feels like the more he work he gets, the better he's going to yes. be in a game. So, yeah, we'll see. We could be totally wrong on this, and that's the beauty of fantasy sports, but it just worries me with him. Uh, let's go to another worrisome wide receiver. They're getting the helmet situation figured out. The feet still a work in progress. But Antonio Brown, he's sitting with the Oakland Raiders. He's still the eighth wide receiver off the board. I've heard your comments on uh, all in sports. But for those that haven't, what are your thoughts on Antonio Brown? Because for me, he's on my do not draft list unless he falls to like the third or fourth round. Yeah, I've had to change my tune actually a couple times on on him for sure. At the start of the season, like two weeks ago, maybe even three, four weeks ago, I've I've I was getting shares of him because he was going in the middle of the second, end of the second, and I was thinking to myself, well, like what's what's really going to change? Okay, maybe the touchdowns are going to come down. Maybe he won't have as many yards or catches, but he should still get that kind of workload. I mean, 168 targets last season was the third most in football. We're talking about an Oakland team who's going to be playing from behind often. Not a lot of options there. Yeah, he definitely is uh, a diva. Can he get to 1,500 yards and 120 catches? No. I mean, that's – and 15 touchdowns? Probably not. That that's a, that seems like a stretch at this point. And now you just have everything else with him. Like, it's it's his feet. It's his helmet, like you talked about. It, it just And Pittsburgh has to be sitting back just laughing like, yeah, we realize Antonio Brown's good. We know that Antonio Brown is good. He set all kinds of records here with us. He had 1,800-yard seasons. He had a couple 1,500-yard seasons. But he is a bit of a head case as well. And it almost seems like just even today, Bubba, like listening to reports and, and just hearing about Antonio Brown, it almost seems like he was just kind of not making excuses to not be with the team in training camp, but almost making excuses to just not play yep. or be part of training camp, which is just puzzling, you know, a guy going to a new team and they're taking a shot on him money wise, paying him what he wants to. But I, as of today, he's off my off my draft list too. I think you know you mentioned all in all in sports. I believe we're all out on him now. We just we just don't want to deal with you know the drama. But if he were to fall into the third round, yep. I'll I'll take a shot on him in the third. Hundred percent, I will. Yeah, I still everyone, think he'll get a lot of targets. Yeah, everyone's got a price, and David and, and Carr Derek Carr is going to force him the ball. We know that that's that they they got him for a reason. You've heard Gruden talk about him. I don't think I've seen someone that excited as a kid on Christmas morning. So it's like, you know, he's going to get the love. It's just, I honestly think there might be something mentally wrong. I don't want to make light of the joke. Just every day on his social media and his interactions and the way he changes his mindset, something's not right there with the boy right now. Yes. So, yes. Um, that too. Yeah. Something's like, going on. It, it kind of has like a weird Josh Gordon feel to it. I just, he's all over Damn. the place and you're waiting for the next news drop. It's really weird. With it's a huge Brown. risk. It's it is a risk. Yeah, he's going to this, this new team and the, the feet thing. And yeah, like you you mentioned the social media. I mean, all these videos 
surfaced this past week of an interview him saying that he would be totally fine to retire from the NFL. Like I wouldn't be shocked if Antonio just woke up tomorrow and was like, I'm done. Like I've, you know, I'm retiring. Like it's, it's possible. Again, we're splitting hairs with a lot of these studs and it's kind of what we have to do. But I mean, you could, you could lose your draft draft Antonio Brown in the first round. Like it's not the same, it's not the same field. this. Yep. And that's the thing is people talk about it. You can lose a draft early. You can't win it. So right. it's like, and I know you, you you work with Joey P, and I've talked to Pizza P a lot. And one thing Joe and I have a lot in common, and maybe you agree, is we like to take more confident floor plays early. We'll take our gambles late. Um, yes. To me, Antonio is a very very big gamble early. So yes, it's very odd. Let's talk about Antonio's former teammate Juju Smith-Schuster, another kind of very polarizing fantasy figure. The talent level we know is great. He played phenomenal. Antonio was on and off the field last year. He's going to be the number one guy in Pittsburgh. Some projection sites have him just going to the moon. Other ones are tempering it back. How do you view Juju coming into this year as the number one guy for the Steelers? Yeah, I temper it back a little bit. And, and Sealy has me labeled as the Juju hater, and that's not true. <laughs> we had an episode once before about, you know, a couple busts, and I was trying to name a bus in the first round or something like that. And, and he's, oh, Juju, you hate Juju. I love Juju. I think he's great. I think he's so good for the game of football. I think he's so fun. Uh, I, love, I love his interactions with the fans. There's so much to like about Juju. But I just, I've early on, and this isn't the case in the last few drafts I've done, but early on, I've seen him go ahead of Julio. I saw him go ahead of Devontae Adams in one spot. Now, that that that's fine if you want to do that. I mean, again, he's coming off a season with 111 catches, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns. He had seven touchdowns his first year. I, I just, because Antonio Brown is gone and like 170 targets and 1,400 yards, people just automatically assume that Juju's just going to be able to really increase what he did last season. And last season was a really good year. 166 targets, 111 catches. Again, that's a really good season. I don't know how much better Juju can get. Like, he's now going to face top coverage for the first time. Is he always going to be in the slot? Are they going to move him on the outside? Can he handle that? I think that he can, but it's going to be a little bit different, you know, this year without Antonio Brown there. All the attention really is going to be on Juju. Can Vance McDonald stay healthy? Can Dante Moncrief finally have a year where he stays healthy? Can Washington t- take a step forward? Like, there's there are a little bit more question marks than people want to admit with the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Big Ben, another year older. But I do feel like Juju will be fine in a full-point PPR setting. Like, I do think what he did last year is probably his floor. He's definitely looking at 100 catches. He's definitely looking at 160 targets and 1,400 yards. So I just think he's safe. He should be fine. I just It bothers me just a little bit when I see him go as, like, wide receiver two or three. I just feel like, eh, like, just temper, guys, like, just slightly. Yeah, like, I like Juju a lot this year. I agree that I think people – aren't looking at all the flaws that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be running into soon. Maybe it's not this year, but it's coming soon. And it very well could happen this year. For me, I'd have Juju uh, my fifth. I'd have him after the big four. Yeah, uh, like, I agree. That's that's a good bet. That's a good, good spot. The big, like, I'd rather have him over Odell. I'd rather have him over Antonio. Uh, and then the next guy we talk about, I, I, I really do like what Juju's going to do. It's just, like you said, some people – they have him all the way up, like he's right after Hopkins, right after Julio. It's it's pretty wild with Juju, but I agree. It's like again, we're grasping at, at hairs with a lot of these guys because they're also talented, and it just takes one or two huge weeks, which these guys can do to elevate yeah. them into that top, you know, stardom there. But I'm a big Juju guy. The guy that I think he goes over as well currently goes right above him, sixth run, wide receiver off the board, 
Juju is seventh, is Tyree Kill of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's nothing we can do about the off-the-field stuff. That's out of our control. He's going to be playing. He's going to be there week one. So we have to evaluate him as a week one starting wide receiver who is very, very talented and possibly, most likely, pretty much is the best offense in football, maybe outside of the Rams. I'll let you debate that one at a different time. But Tyree Kill, we know how good he can be. Are you in on him this year as a top, let's say, top 10 wide receiver? Yeah, top 10. Uh, I do like Juju more than him as well. I think he's safer, to be honest. Um, we, yeah, you're right. The offense in Kansas City is is unbelievable. But you just look at the targets last year, like 137. When we just talked about target share with Juju and now Antonio Brown going to go. So, like, not talking about a big increase next year, but probably, like, 160, like I said, is is likely his floor. And we know about the boomer bust that Tyree Kill is. He's He is. He's very boomer bust. A lot of people talk about, you know, best ball and, and – you know, just DFS, you know, they're like, oh, you know, Tyreek or best ball can only be late around guys. It could be Tyreek. It could be like he 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 is a perfect early round best yep. ball guy because you go look at the game logs. I mean, 42 yards, 72, 100, 74, 46, 139. He had a game against Oakland where he had 13 yards. The week before that, he had 215. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like the just the consistency of what's going to happen. You You just you just don't know. But he is a big part of the offense, whether it's end arounds, burners in the slot, slant routes, whatever it is with Tyreek Hill. He is a he is a part of the offense. He's very boom. I wouldn't be shocked if he finished with the most yards in, in football. Like I I just I wouldn't. It would not it would not surprise me at all. But there's a little bit of more safety with some of those other guys. And another guy that I actually like that we'll get to in a little bit later on, but um he's fine. He, honestly, he's he really is fine. But him or Juju, I would pick the safety in Juju. That's where I, that's where I'd go, especially in a full point PPR league. Let's have fun with this for a second. And again, it's a wide receiver podcast, but so this is draft strategy. So you've gone through a lot of these big guys, Juju and company. Tyreek's on the board. Do you roll the dice with Tyreek Hill, or do you start actually thinking like a not necessarily Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette, but that realm that we were kind of talking about passing on? Do they look a little more appealing to you? I would take Tyreek Hill. I would okay. take him and the upside and just the offense. If you would ask me Nick Chubb, I probably would have taken Nick Chubb. Uh, Dalvin Cook has to prove it to me. It's been two years now, even in, even in college. He has to prove it to me that he can go through a full year. I see the upside as well. Uh, it's funny. I actually flipped these two guys two years ago in a dynasty. Like I gave up Cook for, for Tyreek Hill. And it was, look, it was looking like he was biting me. Nobody wants, nobody cares about your own dynasty team. But I just had to, you just, I no, just had to say that. That's an interesting but, trade right there. Yeah, there's just some upside, I guess, in in Hill that I'm willing to to take a little bit more safety than one of those one of those running backs. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to have a piece of that Kansas City offense. It really is. If you had a piece of it last year, you you probably won most weeks. No doubt about it. Let's take a little kind of player debate type style here. You have Mike Evans, who very boomer busty. Jameis Winston, you never know what he's going to do either. You got Keenan Allen, who when he's on the field, one of the best wide receivers in the game. I seem to have Allen. Every year in most of my teams, I'm a huge Allen fan, but he does get hurt, and that does hurt your team at times. And then Amari Cooper, once he went over to Dallas, was outstanding. Now these guys are, you know, Evans the ninth wide receiver, Allen's the tenth, Cooper's the thirteenth. But how do you kind of evaluate those three? Because uh, some think Cooper can take just another level uh, step ahead, and then some are kind of hesitant on Evans and Allen. So that's why I kind of wanted to pair these three together. Yeah, it's a good group. It really is. I'll probably be a little bit different than anybody you'll talk to with this. I like Evans the most out of the trio. 
I think he's pretty safe as well. I mean, just he's very consistent and, you know, a lot of people want to just kind of poo poo on him. I feel like, but he's never had a year with under a thousand yards. It's pretty, pretty good for what you said earlier with Jameis Winston. Like, who is it? Is it Jameis Winston? Is it Sir Patrick? Is it Glennon? Like who, who has it been for the last four? It's been a lot of people and it's been a lot of just mediocre coaching, but Bruce Arians in that offense. Uh, I think that Jameis Winston has a lot to prove this year. This is probably his last chance in Tampa Bay, at least, um, you know, Bruce Aarons is going to know pretty, pretty early if Jameis Winston is going to be his guy and what he can do with him. But Mike Evans is coming off a 1500 yard season. Uh, he's the defense is still not going to be good. He's a big body in the red zone. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And I think Jameis is going to really lean on Mike Evans. So there's nothing wrong with Keenan Allen. I love Keenan Allen too. It almost feels like uh, I'm with you, Bob. I seem to get him a lot. It almost seems like nobody wants Keenan Allen. I think maybe yeah, it's because of the injuries away. perhaps, it may be, yeah. But, I mean, back-to-back years now with, with 16 games and just over 2,400 yards in those two years gets looks in the red zone. You know, the the one thing I will say is Hunter Henry is back, so maybe there's a slight downtick potentially in, in targets and receptions, but he still is going to be the number one option. He plays a lot in the slot. I like that out of my wide receivers, so there's a bit of a safety there as well. And maybe, who knows, maybe they throw the ball a little bit more and they figure out this thing with Melvin Gordon, what's going to happen there. As for Cooper... He has all the upside in the world. He's he's another boomer bust guy. And we saw when he came over to Dallas, he was unbelievable. The offense flowed. This is exactly what the Cowboys needed. It helped the run game. It helped Dak Prescott. I don't fully believe in, in Dak personally. I don't think he can make a lot of those throws. He wasn't able to even throw it up to Dez sometimes in the red zone. I still think he has a lot to learn. Uh, and, and a lot of Cooper's big games last year were against the Eagles when they were down to their seventh, eighth, ninth cornerbacks. Trust me, it happened. Uh, they were in some <laughs> tough spots last year. I mean, there was one game, I'm just looking at the game log now, Bubba, 13 targets, 10 catches, a 217 yep. yards and three touchdowns. That was a lot of what he did with Dallas. There were also some games, 31 yards, 20, 32 yards, a game against the Rams in the playoffs, only 65. So he's good. The ceiling's there. I just, I, I have some cause for concern. I just, a little, little, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, I can't do it. I, yeah. I think maybe I've tried not to say that I've been burned a couple times before, and I have with him. I just I just can't do it. In around that range, I'd rather take the back or take one of those wide receivers like a Thielen or Evans if I can. Yeah, I, I'm 100 percent with you, Evans. I have no problem. Like I think it's funny, like you said. There's so many people just are just clowning on him or just bagging on him, and I I'm confused by it because yeah, it's the Bucks and the Bucks could be bad, but they're also be playing from behind a lot, which usually yeah. means shootout time and. Winston will throw five picks in a game. He'll also throw it up to Evans ten plus times throughout <laughs> will, the game. Yes. Like, like you just—that's what Fitzpatrick did. Like, you yeah. got to put the wins loss to the side and just look at the fantasy numbers. And Evans is super good. I like Allen a ton. And Cooper, I'm with you. I just—I can't buy into him. I can't buy into the Cowboys. Um, the 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 Garrett just loves to screw up an offense. So oh, I'm just gonna, it's true. It's so yeah, you just you, you leave your head. You leave yourself scratching your head. Like what? What just happened? Everyone else is like, "This is what they should. This is what they should have did. Why they're doing this? Why they're doing?" It's just weird. Like I, it'll be interesting to see Cooper in a full year in Dallas. I mean, he could take a step forward. I mean, he just to go onto a new team halfway through the year and have that kind of success is is kind of unheard of. So now he's he's with the team in the off season to training camp, but more you know time with reps with Dak. But then again, like their biggest part of their offense is not on the field. So there's some question yep. marks in Dallas. Massive question marks. Let's go to Minnesota where Adam Thielen set the world on fire for the first half last year, kind of quiet in the second half. You had Stefan Diggs who just, you know, it's, it's a lot like Tyree Kill where it's one week he goes off, another week he's kind of quiet. You never know when it's going to happen. 
but he has a huge potential. And then if they do want to run the ball more, which is the reports with Dalvin Cook, that could eat into these two. You know, Thielen's the 11th wide receiver off the board. Diggs is the 14th. The offense is very, very good. How do you assess these two guys, though, come draft day? I like them both. I love them a lot. And I think they're kind of getting disrespected a little bit. In terms of targets, they, they both finished, you know, right there, 10 fewer for Thielen than, than Hopkins and just three fewer or four fewer rather for Diggs. So these were two guys that finished in the top seven in the NFL in targets. You're right. They, Minnesota wants to establish a run. And I think that's what happened towards the end of the year with Thielen and Diggs, especially Thielen dropped off a bit. They just, they didn't have a run game. Kirk Cousins was just, he was trying to throw all the time. It just, it just didn't gel. It didn't flow. So if they can get some sort of run game going with Dalvin cook, I think the offense will flow better. Maybe the targets and the catches slightly come down a bit, but I think they're both very safe. And I think if you leave your draft with either one of those guys, you kind of leave with a steal. Cause I feel like feeling feeling. I like slightly more again, I'll allude to just a slot wide out. I think he's slightly safer. I mean, just 300 yards more last year, just a, you know, a couple more catches really, but um, he had more of those like big target games, those seven to 10 catch games where Diggs is kind of more of a home run guy. Um, you know, you can potentially get some bigger plays out of him, but they're both phenomenal wide receivers. I, I just love feeling. I love, I just think he's so smart on the football field. He, I love the routes he runs. I love his hands. Like he can make great catches too. Very underrated. I think it's overlooked. So I have feeling as a top 10 wide receiver, I, I have him ahead of Antonio Brown right now as someone I'd rather have than him. So if I'm picking, it's one of those guys that I think if you're, if you pick one of the backs in the first four, four picks, he's available to you coming back. Like it's not a bad one, two punch. You can go back, back, feeling back, back digs, whatever you want to do. Kelsey feeling back. Like there's some options there that you can go. And I think Thielen has that wide receiver one upside. Yeah, I like that a lot. If if Thielen's your if you've gone heavy running back and you get Thielen as a number one, I think that's outstanding. I think there's a lot to like there. Um, And and you mentioned you know most of us at least play half point PPR, if not full point PPR by now. That's that's the way the world works. And in the slot there, he's just a target machine, like you said. So many games of double digit targets, and if you get a guy of his talent level that many chances, he's putting up double digit fantasy points for you week in and week out, which is tremendous. That kind of stability. Is huge, and I think that the thing that some people forget is he's still learning the position in reality. He hasn't really like he was kind of a like he's still like super new to this level of of I guess you know sport because he was a lower level college player. He's still developing. It's it's crazy how good he is so fast. Um, Yeah, good call. There there could be a whole other level to Adam Thielen, Um, so it'd be fun to see there. Like Stefan Diggs, I like him more in a non PPR than a PPR because yep. it's more of a four for a hundred type guy. You need the big play with Diggs, yeah. but both very good. That's how I would split the two. Um, let's go to the Rams. Now, this is fun because everybody loves this offense. Everybody loves these receivers. Jared Goff could be in for a big year, but you know, some people don't like him at all, which is odd. But you got Brandon Cooks as the 16th receiver off the board. Robert Woods is the 17th receiver off the board, and Cooper Cup is the 20th. To have three receivers in the top 20, according to consensus ADP, is nuts. Now, that might not be where you have them ranked, and that's totally fine. But you can kind of make different arguments for each guy. How do you assess these three guys come draft day? 
Yeah, I love them all. Yeah, <laughs> like there's so much, it's so hard. much fun yeah, in that offense. There really is. And I don't understand why people don't like Jared Goff either. And I see rankings and I see all three of them in the top 20, top 25. And then I see Jared Goff like 16, 17. It's like, how does that add up? Like, Who's how does throwing that work? in the ball, dude? <laughs> yeah, like what? what's what, – is Blake Bortles coming in here? Like I don't <laughs> – I don't get it what's going to happen. So I've always actually been a Goff fan. Um, yeah. You know, I – I am an Eagles guy and it was interesting when they made all those trades. I, I was, I was fine with either Goff or Wentz and, and I am happy that the Eagles got Wentz, but I always liked Goff and I thought people give him a hard time. And in the DFS community, man, did I ever ride Goff and Cup in that first year and Gurley. Yes. And it was just so profitable. Nobody respected any of them. And I still even think that even last year after Goff had that good year, he just, he still wasn't getting any respect. And, you know, come draft day, he had finished as a top 10 quarterback. He wasn't getting drafted last year as a top 10 quarterback. He still finished as a QB1. And this year, he's not getting drafted that way. And if Gurley does have issues, they're going to throw the football a little bit more. And they did draft a guy in Daryl Henderson. And I love Sean McVay, and I trust him. So there's a lot to like about all of these guys. Cooper Cup, honestly, may be my favorite of the trio. But there has to be some concerns now with, with the knee. And I've heard multiple reports. I hear that he should be full go soon. And then I hear, like, don't be surprised if he's on a bit of a pitch count all year. That's a little bit concerning for me. So I do have him ranked, even before without hearing that, I do have him ranked as the third one. I think Cooks has the most upside. He has the highest ceiling, probably get the most inconsistent games from him. A little bit of a risk now with Cooper Cup. But he does have 11 touchdowns in 23 games. He is the number one option. You go look at Goff and then, you know, this small sample in the resume in the NFL. His favorite target in the red zone is Cooper cup. He's always in fact, 10 of Cooper cups, first 11 touchdowns came in the red zone. They were all red zone touchdowns, but he was starting to get, you know, more of a feel in the slot. I felt the chemistry was really there between those two before that knee injury. So it, it may take some time for him to get back. And if he falls down your draft boards, I think he's a good value, but Robert Wood seems to be the safest now of, of the trio, you know, just a great blocker. So he's always on the field and he was really utilizing that offense as well. Um, some just some quick slant routes, some quick passes, just get the ball to him in space, and he was he was pretty productive. So I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't duplicate his numbers, like twelve hundred yards, hundred thirty targets, eighty six catches. That was a huge coming out party for for Robert Woods. You are paying that price this season. So as much as I'm saying he may be the safest, he he could be the one that disappoints. But man, it's hard to say anything bad about any of these guys. And I think what you really want is is the discount on Jared Goff. I mean, Jake always talks about the cake and not the icing and this and that, and he always confused me with all his sayings, but that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Draft the guy who's going to be throwing the ball, and Goff right now is an absolute value for people who like to play in two quarterback leagues or who like to wait out on quarterbacks, and he's just going to spread the offense around. Yeah, it's only, what, his third year in that offense? He's going to get better and better. It's it's, it's crazy what's going to happen there. Um, the, The way I always assess these guys, at least Cooks and Woods, it's for the DFS people out there, Cooks is your GPP play, Woods is your cash game play. That's how I look at those two. Yep. Do you want the ceiling or do you want a little more safety net? That's the way I look at those two. Both super good. Like like you said, this offense is going to be solid. The, the, the defenses in the NFC West, are, are they're better, but they're not great. We saw so many holes. They're good. They can't keep up with this offense, though. So it's just there's going to be a lot to like there. And then Cooper Cup, you said it. I can't remember where I heard it from on which show – but when Cup went down with that knee injury, you mentioned all the red zone targets, all the red zone touchdowns. That's when Goff's numbers started going down because he wasn't getting those red zone touchdowns. 
that was like such a correlating factor in, in that Rams offense that that uh, affected golf and maybe affects people's taste on golf right now. But if Cup is healthy, and you you, you said at the knee, we got to make sure it's there. And I hope they're doing everything right. You'd assume they're doing everything right to get him there for for week one. But if he's out there and he's in that red zone, it's going to be tremendous. And you're you're getting an interesting value right there with Cooper Cup. It's not, I guess, not a huge value at the 20th receiver off the board, but I'd almost rather have Cup than Woods if we know Cup's 100% healthy. Yeah, I think there's more upside with Cup. I mean, we just had Cup's younger. Like I said, the rapport right away. I mean, you could see it from the first game that these two played together, and it was it was um, his Goff's first game with Cup, and he, and he hit him on, like, a 50-yard touchdown. I just remember watching it and just like, oh, yeah, that's his guy. Like, these two right away, I could just see it. Plays in the slot, again, with McVay. So I, I don't count that first year at all with him and the Rams, like, for Goff, the seven year, seven games and what was going on there. These last two years with McVay, and you're right, another step forward. I think that he can make another leap forward. I mean, 4,600 yards last year and 32 touchdowns. Nobody wants that. Nobody yeah. wants that. And no one wants that. Be the best offense in football. Weird, weird to me. Yeah, pretty crazy. It's pretty yeah. darn crazy. Uh, let's talk about you know the Patriots because I don't like talking about the Patriots. I'm pretty sure the only time you like to is when the Eagles beat them in the Super Bowl. That's but um, we do need to talk about Julian Edelman because when it comes to PPR leagues, he's amazing. We also have to come to the realization that he's a little banged up and he's getting a little older. Now they did pay him, so you'd have to imagine the, the, of all teams, the Patriots, they did their due diligence, but. He's currently the 15th receiver off the board, right behind Stephon Diggs, in front of all the Rams receivers and a few other guys. Are you willing to pay that price for Julian Edelman? No, I'm not, actually. I'm, I'm, and I feel like um, you and I may be on the same page here, but a lot of people aren't. They, they see the safety with Julian Edelman, and I get it. PPR, goodness, like you said, is somebody who will, in a full year, if you even if he just gets 14 games, he's probably going to catch 90 balls. He's one of those safe plays in DFS when he's healthy all the time. You know, you know, you're going to get ten to twelve targets from him, seven to nine catches. There's not a lot going on right now in in New England in terms of offense. Kill Harry has kind of been disappointing. Who knows? You know, with Josh Gordon, you know, they're pulling guys off the street. Maurice Harris, Demarius Thomas is not what he used to be. People are trying to talk up Philip Brissett, like Dontrell Lemon. There's not a lot going on in New England right now. This is a team that wants to run the football. They did obviously lose Rob Gronkowski. I do expect him to get all those targets when he's healthy. I just wonder about the ceiling. Like, why am I drafting a guy that I think could get a thousand yards? Like, he's never had 1,200 yards. His best is 1,100. So, why am I drafting a guy who? will go 1,100 yards and 90 to 100 catches when I can get the, get that after. I can get that with all those Rams wide receivers after, at least Woods and, and Cooks. Other breakout guys, can, candidates, I feel like Galladay, Godwin, these guys I think could do that as well. So in in around that range, like I'm, I'm definitely taking Thielen and Diggs ahead of them, no question about it, T.Y. Hilton. And after that, I'll just, I'd rather wait it out for that next tier wide receivers. I'll draft it back at that point. I talked earlier off the top of the show. There's just a few backs in the third round that I like. That's, you know, it's where Julian Edelman right around where he's going. So I just tend to, you know, go to the backs and, and kind of shy away from this New England offense. I think they'll run the football a lot. Yeah. That's my biggest thing with this offense is they're getting older with Edelman and Brady. They don't want Brady dropping back unless he has to. They want to limit as many hits on him as possible. They want to save him for the postseason run. And they want to run the rock. They got Sony Michelle, obviously. You got James White. They uh, got they have Harris. They they drafted. They have, they have a slew of options back there. Burkhead's still there. There's many guys 
currently on the roster, they're going to want to pound that rock as much as possible. Edelman to get his, but I am, I think they're going to want to baby him because if, if he goes down and say Josh Gordon doesn't come back, can you name me at least two receivers they have right now outside no, of the kill no. Harry? Because no. yeah, yeah. people might say Myers because he had a big week one if you played DFS, yeah. but that's like yeah. I didn't know who the guy was until that happened. I'll be honest, I had no clue. No, so, no, nobody does. Nobody knows, yeah. and Pat, Pat's fans don't even know who he is. Exactly. So it's it's such a a, a bad situation that they lose a guy like Edelman that they're they're in such a bad division. They're gonna make the playoffs. Then you go for it. They're not stupid. So I think they're going to want to run the ball a lot, like you said. Um, let's go to A.J. Green. This is a, a a bad one, but it's getting to the point of the conversation. And for those that live under a rock, ankle injury, he's going to be out for the start of the season. It varies on where you listen to, but we're assuming a few weeks to maybe eight weeks. You never know. But I'd imagine a couple games to start the year. He's dropping to pick 44 overall, a 22nd receiver. And it seems like every week I look at this page, he drops more and more and more. Where does AJ Green have to fall for you to take that chance? Yeah, pro- honestly, probably pretty far. And it's too bad because I liked him heading into this year because there's like a negative aura around him. He was coming off a season where he only played nine games. He's hurt. Everyone talks about the Bengals sucking and, you know, going to talking about Tyler Boyd and the offensive line and Dalton. There's like a lot of negative talk or, around the Bengals anytime that they come up. But, you know, he played nine games last year, really eight, because he didn't play at all in that first game, in that ninth game. He he left early in that one. As I remember doing a write-up when he left on the pace that he was on, because he was on pace for his best season ever. He he was on pace for over 95 catches. I mean, 98 was his most. He was on pace for flirting with the most targets he's ever had. And the yardage, over 1,400 yards. He was he had fifteen point one yards per catch, which had, was the best since his rookie season. And he was he had six touchdowns. He was off to a great start. Now touchdowns are hard to predict, but he's he was getting them early. So he was really on pace for a pretty solid season. And because of the injury, he was going pretty late in drafts. Like he was right around wide receiver 15, 16. I mean, fantasy football calculator has this guy is I mean, nobody's dropped more than than AJ Green. So I, I he he needs to fall like you know over on fantasy football calculator right now he's a fifth round so for example you know July thirteenth he was a mid third round pick now he's a mm-hmm. mid fifth round pick uh, to your point when you're talking about where he's going so I, I honestly he'd probably need to fall a little bit more for me he probably need to fall until like, like seventh like eighth round sixth seventh yeah sixth yeah. seventh and I'm thinking about him I don't want to take that risk. There are points where I, I do take value. I always say this. I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to take this guy because he's just going to be a headache all year and I got to stash him. There's some reports that he can miss half the season. Like, do I really want AJ like on my roster for five, six, seven weeks? What if I'm in a tough spot? What if somebody else gets hurt? What if my top wider gets hurt? Then I have to, like, I'm screwed really yeah. with two of my first three wide receivers, you know, hurt. So you're taking on a lot of risks still in the fifth round. I think you would have to fall. Yeah, to your your point, seventh, eighth, definitely end of the sixth um, for me to take AJ. We'll, we'll, we'll see how the draft goes, but I do feel like a lot of people are feeling that way as well. So if he is available in the eighth, ninth round, and you're comfortable with your skill set and and you know comfortable with how you play fantasy football, I think it's a risk that you could take at that point. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is it's it's a massive risk, and can you take it? Because you have to go in there almost thinking this could end very very poorly. You have to go in there knowing you're the risk you're taking. So. The upside's huge, like you said. I was all about him until the injury, unfortunately, happened. I was a big fan of where he was going, even before he got hurt. 
And now it's like he's falling to a point where maybe like I have my big home league that we've had for you know 12, 13 years now. We draft Saturday. So I'm I'm, I'm getting to that point now where it's gonna get real interesting <laughs> come Saturday. Uh, where he falls to. Well, Bubba, I always see, and you see this too all the time, and this isn't a knock on anybody at all. I'm not going to say any names. I've been in this situation before where people, you know, post their, their fantasy teams in the first month of the season. And this probably happens more so in baseball, especially, you know, this season. And they'll post like seven or eight injuries, but four of them are like, Scooter, Scooter Jeanette, Aaron Hicks, or <laughs> yes. like Luis Severino. Like, okay, so you already drafted three. You took on all that risk. And then you're going to, you know, it, things just happen. Yep. Right. So, I, to do it that early, like if you're going to leave your draft with two wide receivers in the first six rounds and one of them is going to be AJ, you're asking for it. Yep. Yep. That's a, a very good point. You're, you're already going in there. So know the risk you have. You mentioned uh, when we were talking about Julian Edelman, some of these young guys, and this is where I could have had a whole separate podcast on so many of these kind of just outside the top 20 guys that we could see ballooning into to top 20 guys by season's end. There's a ton of them. A lot of really interesting guys, but they don't have that safe floor. These guys kind of do. You have um, Chris Godwin, who you mentioned, and I'm a big fan of him. I loved him last year in DFS. I think some big things are happening here. You have Tyler Lockett, who's the main man now. And you have Calvin Ridley, who year two, does he take that next step in Atlanta? These guys are going like uh, Tyler Lockett's 21, Godwin's 19, Ridley's 23. So they're all, they have, you know, Cup, AJ Green, those guys are all in between them there. How do you look at these three young guys that could take that next step? Yeah, I love Godwin, too. I think everybody does, and That's everyone the should. That's the problem. It, <laughs> that is the problem. That is the problem. I mean, people are people are aware there are some big voices in the industry, um, you know, Silva and Mayo and Sealy and yep. other guys that are, are much bigger voices than us who, yep. who have been pumping Godwin's tires for a while. And, yeah, you're right, DFS last year, DFS for me last year. Anytime Deshaun Jackson wasn't on the field, Godwin had big games, and now Deshaun Jackson's in Philadelphia, and Adam Humphreys is no longer around. And, and we're looking at Godwin potentially playing in the slot with Bruce Arians and what we talked about before, a Tampa team that's going to be playing from behind a lot and throwing the football quite often. So there is so much to like about Godwin and not just, not just opportunity, just the fact that he's a good wide receiver. He runs good routes. He, he's, he's a red zone option. He was last year at times, I mean, seven touchdowns, a lot of work inside the red zone and just being the fourth, fifth options at, at times and no run game to think of too. Like yep. how many That's times are they going to throw the ball? There. Yeah. How many times are they going to throw the ball? So really, we were looking at last year, 95 targets, 50, 95 targets, 59 catches, and 842 yards. And like I said, there was two other guys that probably got more looks than him most times out of not. Definitely Mike Evans. So a lot to like about Chris Godwin. I think he's that breakout guy. I'm with everybody else. I want a piece of him. Hopefully I can leave some of my drafts with him. I know that everybody else wants him as well. I'm not willing to take him like wide receiver 10, 11, 12, 13, but I, I am willing to uh, probably – Definitely take him over Julian Edelman, take him over Amari Cooper, take him over, um, you know, a, a Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods, potentially, maybe. And that's 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 where I, I kind of have to step back and be like, I don't want to have to reach for this guy. I don't want to have well, to jump let, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question, because I like the the concept there of taking him ahead of a Robert Woods, because I think Godwin's ceiling's higher. Maybe you agree there. Same, yes. Um, where, where I would say, and then tell me what you think here, when you're drafting – I think that the time to take a Godwin over a Robert Woods is like when you have one or two good running backs. Then you yes. take that Godwin chance. Otherwise, if you're going, you know, wide receiver heavy early, maybe you take Woods as your second or third receiver 
and then gamble on your running backs. Is that kind of where you sit with that? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, you said it perfectly. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good strategy for sure. And the other guys too, like I guess Tyler Lockett's the one I worry about the most. And I don't know if I, if even if I should, because who else is there in Seattle right now? I know they're a team that wants to run the football, but they're going to have to pass it sometimes. Like, they really do. And this is another guy who runs pretty good routes. He's got great hands. You can move him around a little bit. Uh, I know he's going to face top coverage for the first time, but they can get out of some of that by moving him around. Like I said, he's just pretty good in, in open space. So I, I just don't feel like his ceiling is the same as the other guys. Like, I don't know if he'll catch a hundred balls. I think Godwin could catch a hundred balls and, and for Calvin Ridley playing in a good offense, unbelievable first year. Uh, you know, a lot of introduction came in the two games against the saints, maybe even like six touchdowns in two games or something stupid against the saints. But uh, even still, he's going to get them on the schedule a couple times and the Falcons are going to be throwing footballs a lot because I just don't fully believe in their defense. So all of these guys are certainly targets, but my least favorite of the bunch, I think is Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Tyler Lockett's my least favorite, but it's kind of funny. We don't have to talk deep on this, but we mentioned how no one's high on golf. Everyone's high on Russell Wilson. Yeah. Look at the target options. <laughs> yeah. It makes you, makes you really yeah. wonder there. Yeah. Wilson's actually a fate. I don't want anything to do with Wilson this year. And it's not that I don't think he's a good quarterback. I, you can't I think be that efficient. Best. Yeah, you can't. You're right. You can't. You lose Doug Baldwin. Even he didn't have a, a phenomenal season, but he still takes a lot of the attention away. And there, there was a couple good games in a row he had, but they do want to run the football. Yeah, it's just too tough to to be that to be that efficient again. It was unbelievable what he was doing. I, I think he runs around a little bit more because he'll be forced yeah. to. But yeah, I, I think he. I don't think he's a top ten quarterback this year. No doubt about it. Let's go to Carolina. This is kind of a fun situation. Um, you have DJ Moore, who's the twenty fourth receiver off the board, and then you have Curtis Samuel, who's forty first. And the Curtis Samuel buzz right now is yeah. real; like it's powerful around the fantasy industry. How do you assess these two? If you had to leave with one of these guys on draft day, who are you taking? Uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to cop out on the question, but probably the cheaper guy in, in Curtis Samuel, but this is nothing against DJ Moore. I like him as well. So I'm willing to pay the price on, on both of these guys. And you're right. The buzz is, is real on Curtis Samuel. And he was actually somebody that I had stashed on my team last year. I had waited for him to to come around and be okay. And I went through a couple different injuries and then it looked like I was finally going to get the Curtis Samuel I wanted. There was a stretch there where he had game. He had, I think he had like 10 catches on 20 targets. And I think he reached the 80 yard mark in both of those games. And I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. Um, then he, he you know, he kind of had a bit of a setback again. But both of these guys are great. I think they've done a good job in Carolina because Cam Newton's not an accurate passer. I don't care what anybody tells me he's not. And now he's dealing with a little bit of a bum shoulder. He says he's healthy, but they've done a good job of bringing in these weapons where instead of throwing it up all the time to Calvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, just have these quick little short throws to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and make that offense roll up tempo. Like, let's get the ball to these guys in space and watch them just explode. So there's a lot to like about a lot of those guys in Carolina. So I, I think DJ has, I think he's the better wide receiver. He has the higher ceiling. He's worth his pick, but I definitely like where Curtis Samuel is going. I'll, I'm going to have some shares of him too. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued with both of these guys actually. Yeah, he's going right around to kill Harry, DK Metcalf, D.D. Westbrook. So it's a good good little yeah, spot like, there. Like, give me Curtis Samuel. For sure. Corbin Sutton's going ahead of him. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Let's, let's get real here. Um, let's talk about some other kind of second. They're, they're number twos in their offense. Uh, one might be a number one now based on the A.J. Green injury. But you have Mike Williams out of, out of the Chargers who, you know, had his moments last year, especially in the playoffs. 
You have um, Tyler Boyd, who had some really big games last year, usually when A.J. Green was on the field, though. And then you have Will Fuller, who went healthy, was one of the best targets outside of, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins for um, for DeAndre Watson – or for, for Watson. And you saw um, – I saw someone tweet out the numbers that Will Fuller had from Deshaun Watson, and it was just crazy, the numbers he puts up. So you have those three guys, and they're all going – after uh, the 27th or 26th wide receiver off the board, how do you break those three down? I I think Williams has the the most upside of the the trio. I think he's legit. I watched him in Clemson. He was he's just phenomenal. A uh, couple of serious injuries with him, and obviously didn't really get to see his full potential in in 2017 as a rookie. He you know he's dealing with like back and neck injuries, so he 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 didn't get to he wasn't with Philip Rivers in the team in, in 2017 at all throughout camp. And he really just hardly played down the stretch. So he wasn't involved in the offense at all. And then last year took a a massive step forward. And I think a lot of people are just looking at the touchdowns like 10. Okay, he can't do that again. And pro- maybe not. That's that's a pretty high number, especially when you put in Hunter Henry back in, inside this offense, who's, who's going to get some red zone looks. And Keenan Allen, we talked about earlier, is always near the top on the Chargers and red zone opportunities. But Mike Williams is a—he's a terrific athlete. I mean, he's six four. He's a big body, two twenty. He can go go up and get it with the best of them. So I, I feel like he could get to seven or eight touchdowns again. The targets are probably going to go up with no Tyrell Williams hanging around. What? Who knows what's going to happen under the run game? Because Austin Eckler is not that type of back who's going to run the ball between the tackles. And who knows if Justin Jackson is good enough? So maybe they throw a little bit more. So I do like Mike Williams. And, and I'm fine with Tyler Boyd as well. I think that a lot of people right away want to say that Tyler Boyd wasn't good with AJ off the field, and that's wrong. He was, he was, yeah, the numbers are are slightly worse, of course. Like he's not going to, he's facing top coverage. Like he's exactly. not going to be as efficient. But he was still, he still had really good games without, without AJ, and he had good games with AJ. So it's almost like people just wanted to make an excuse for Tyler Boyd. Like at the start of the year, it was like, no, he's, he's not going to do it because, you know, AJ's there. And that's like, no, he's not going to do it because AJ's gone. It's like, well, can't have it both ways and he had some good games nine catches for 138 an 85 yard game a 97 yard game a 71 yard game like those are games without aj on the field he was still those are still some pretty solid games and i I think that he can handle top coverage and i think that again they're going to be passing a lot in cincinnati so i like both of those guys and fuller is the one i'm out on because i'm i'm too much of a coward that's that's what it is i don't want to take that chance on him and i know those games as well with watson Terrific. The upside is through the roof. I mean, three 100-yard games last season, four touchdowns, and then three games with fewer than 50 yards, one with 15, one with 33. It's it's hit or miss. It's just he he just hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. Only 31 games in his last three years. I, I get the ceiling. He's a guy I want to take a shot on in, in best ball leagues. He's a guy I'm going to want to play in a DFS all the time. But he's not someone I, I'm willing to take, you know, spend that price on. And honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I'd rather take Larry Fitzgerald. Old man Larry, the old yeah, not, boring Nothing Larry. against Larry. Yeah. I mean, he's coming off a bad year, but before that, two straight 100-catch seasons. And last year can't be worse than this season with a new coach, up-tempo offense, better quarterback. So I'd just rather take the shot on a, a slightly safer guy. But the ceiling is through the roof with Fuller. If only he could stay healthy. Yeah, the ceiling's huge. And I love Larry. I always love Larry. And he, he just doesn't get the respect. And you mentioned the new quarterback. I think it's big because that's a safety valve right there. That's a huge safety valve for uh, Kyler Murray. So I liked it a lot with Will Fuller, just for fun. Would you rather have Will Fuller or Corey Davis? 
Oh, wow. I'm not ready to give up on Corey Davis. I, okay. I get it. I understand the, the negative aura around him, too. I think, honestly, having a few more weapons around in Tennessee, Brown they drafted, Humphreys I actually think could be something you know sneaky this year. Um, I think just having a couple guys around that are better than what they had last year will really help this offense and will really help Corey Davis. I know they want to run the football. He's been very bland, but Corey Davis, the comparisons, the Terrell Owens comparisons out of college, I think are real and legit and worthy. He just, I'm not ready to give up yet on him. I think he just needs a couple more, like just some help and <laughs> maybe a better quarterback. Yeah, let's say, let's, let's get to the quarterback position there. Uh, Will Fuller or Sterling Shepard? Uh, Sterling Shepard, again, a little bit safer playing in the slot, playing from behind. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I think you can almost name anybody, man. I'm, I'm kind of out on Fuller. I'm just, I'm afraid. I just don't, I just don't feel like he'll play a lot. That's, that's all it is. All right. Uh, Christian Kirk of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, people are expecting him to take that next step. You just mentioned Larry, you just mentioned the offense. Are you big on Christian Kirk this year? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm as big as everybody else. He seems to be that big breakout guy that everyone loves. Um, but I think it's I think it's warranted. There's a lot of question marks, too, with, with Arizona. Who knows? Rookie coach, rookie quarterback, weak offensive line, a lot of guys. Do they really like all their wide receivers? Why do they want to sign Michael Crabtree? Apparently, like that was on yeah. Crabtree not to sign there. So there are some question marks with some of the other guys they have. But Kirk seems like he, he's in for a big season. And, um, yeah, I, I have no problem no problem with where he's going in drafts, I think. Um, I'll probably have a few shares of him for sure. What are you doing with the Niners situation? Everybody wanted Dante Pettis. Then it's been kind of ugly here early on from reports you see from the preseason week one. Uh, you have Chris, you, know, you have Goodwin, who we knew how good he was. He's kind of knocked down. Jalen Hurts has a big game. There's lots going on there. Trent Taylor's hurt. What are you doing with the Niners situation? Yeah, I'm, I believe in Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this time last year, Jimmy Garoppolo was – he talked about as a top five quarterback. Now everyone seems to be out on him. So, you know, they bring in Tevin Coleman probably helps the offense a bit. He's familiar with, with Shanahan. They're both familiar with each other. I, I think that the, he, he's probably going to be a decent fit. Godwin. I'm uh, Goodwin rather. I'm not in on. I just, I'd, I'd rather Will Fuller. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I don't want to say he's the same type of player, but he's, he's, Kind of like he's very boomer bust as well as gone through some serious concussion issues as well. Um, obviously, so much more upside with Will Fuller. I would definitely have more shares with Fuller than God, than Goodwin. It was just a joke, but yeah, Trent Taylor's hurt and he was getting a little bit of buzz through camp. Uh, Dante Pettis is is yeah, he's getting talked about in a negative way. I think you know Kyle Shanahan is just challenging him. Because he finished so strong, and he wants him to take that for that step forward. Remember, I believe Shanahan traded up to get Pettis, and yeah. um, that was his first year with the team. He really, um, you know, I, I really just buy into Shanahan and what you know what he can do offensively. So I just feel like he could, you know, I I understand maybe some frustrations. He wants Pettis to be that guy for him, and I think he could be. So this hearing this news with Pettis actually. It makes me feel a little bit better. Maybe I'll get him slightly cheaper. Uh, I think he's I think he's solid. Obviously, George Kittle is the guy there. But, yeah, those two I like. And I'm going to have some shares with uh, Debo as well, Samuel, um, Jalen Hurd, and some Dynasty Leagues, some deeper formats. Uh, I'll have some shares with him as well. But, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a Debo guy. I think he can take a step forward. I think he's definitely the two in that offense. But Pettis, uh, I think he can take a leap forward. He's certainly a target of mine in drafts. I like the Debo call. It's a nice late-round target there. Just a couple more questions for you. Let's talk about – I don't know if old men are the right terms here, but some veterans that are going kind of hidden in all these young guys. 
You got Allen Robinson of the Bears going 29th off the board. You have Fitzgerald, who you mentioned, going 38th off the board. And you got Sammy Watkins, who's going 31st off the board. They're all talked about in different lights, depending on who you listen to. How do you assess these three? Yeah, these are this is a good group here. <laughs> uh, you paired a lot of these guys up with, with you know pretty good groups. I mean, Sammy has the highest ceiling I think out of all of these guys because of that Chiefs offense. But there's another guy who you know hasn't played a full season since 2014, his rookie year, and you know he hasn't topped 600 yards since 2015. So as as much as we liked him in that Chiefs offense last year. He only had three touchdowns and 40 catches and 519 yards. He had some some big games and some games where he he disappeared. So I think there's value with Larry Fitz. I, you know, I just kind of touched on him earlier. You know, wide receiver 26 and half point settings last year, not getting drafted like that at all. And like I said, I mean, an up-tempo offense, a new coach, a much better quarterback, don't really believe in Josh Rosen. So I think he could get back to, you know, flirting with 100 catches again. I mean, he had three straight years of 100 catches. And he only had 69 last year. So I think he could get to at least 80. And I'm not I'm not certain that Sammy Watkins can get to that number. And I'm not certain that Allen Robinson can get to that number. I really like Allen Robinson as a wide receiver. It's too bad. I hope he doesn't have to go his whole career playing with like just Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky. Or yes. at least Mitch Trubisky takes a step forward. But a lot of negative reports already out of Chicago that they expected Trubisky to take a step forward. I know it's just early, but apparently he's missing on a lot of his throws. He's not that accurate. He missed on a lot of his throws last year with Allen Robinson. I think Robinson is valuable this year because he was hurt. And I think people, you know, have, you know, they say they, they're thinking just what I said, that it's, it's the bears who want to run the football, Mitch Trubisky and the injury. So I think that, you know, where he's going in drafts, if he can get him outside of wide receiver 35, 30, 35, I think I'm, I'm more willing to take a shot on him than I am, say Alshon Jeffrey, where Jeffrey's not the number one offering in Philadelphia. And I think Allen Robinson know is i mean you could make the case honestly for Tariq cohen but alan robinson should be fine i mean he does have a 14 touchdown and 1400 yard season on his resume he's good uh blake bortles yeah with blake bortles so (laughs) yeah i think Fitz is the safest one robinson probably has the most skill and, and maybe sammy has that highest ceiling but yeah this is a range that's i feel like just a little bit of value there with those three guys this year yeah they seem to kind of get lost in the muck with all those young guys around them there's many other guys I could have asked you about, but uh, they'll have to go check your workout on that. Before we wrap up, the last question I have for you, you mentioned Debo Samuel. That's a great late-round target. What are maybe two or three other late-round targets you're looking at come draft day? Well, Adam Humphreys, uh, and in a deep setting, I think in a 12-team, half-point PPR, he's probably nothing. He's probably a guy that really doesn't get drafted. But I think in a deeper setting, in a full point, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he was close to, if not the number one option, you know, for Tennessee, just some quick throws. He was pretty good in the slot last year for Tampa. So he's he's a very unsexy name that's going a little bit later. You can probably take him with his last pick. Uh, a couple slot guys here as well, like Jamison Crowder is, is somebody that I've been interested in before, and I understand he's been hurt, uh, looks healthy right now to start camp. Uh, I'm, I'm buying into him in the slot with the Jets. John Brown's another guy that's going kind of late. I was in on Robert Froster, but it seems mm-hmm. like the Bills are out on him. John yeah, Brown seems to be the same that kind of guy. Me. Yeah, there was a connection last year between him Big time. and Josh Allen. Yeah, and, and Allen has the biggest A dot in the league, average up the mm-hmm. target. And Foster had the, the largest one out of anybody who had 40 targets. Deshaun Jackson always every year near the top. But there was a connection there between those two. And I, I think, you know, 
I don't know if they're going to cut him. Maybe they hang around because Brown hasn't been healthy, but I, I will be interested in one of like him or Brown. I'm going to follow reports over the next couple of weeks as well. If you're drafting late, but I am willing to take a shot on, on John Brown. As you go up the board a little bit earlier, guys will cost you a little bit more that I like Tyrell Williams. Again, Oakland's going to be playing from behind a lot. So I, I think that they'll be throwing often. And he was like the fifth, sixth, sometimes sixth, believe it or not, option in, in L.A. last year. He, he could potentially be the number two option in, in that passing attack. So those are a couple guys that I'm willing to take some shots on. I mean, you have those Baltimore guys like Hollywood Brown and Boykin starting to get some buzz. But I just feel like they're there may not be a lot of consistency with the Browns no. offense like Marquise Brown. Like they want to run the football there. Lamar Jackson's still kind of very raw. I don't know if he's as bad as what people think, if he's as inaccurate as what people say, but I just don't know if there'll be a guy that I can trust to plug in like on a bye week or an injury replacement. I just, I don't know if I'm there yet with those guys. Yep. I agree. Those are some good names and it proves kind of where we started the podcast where, you know, I almost rather have two big receivers early, get those running backs in the middle. And then I like kind of the deeper wide receivers way more than the deeper running backs. So it kind of flows throughout the draft there. Uh, before we send it off, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find all your awesome, awesome work. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, at Chris Meany is where you can follow me at Twitter. Still doing some stuff with the Quan Edge here to wrap up uh, you know, the baseball season, so you can check out some DFS baseball there. Bubba, of course, you're killing it. You're crushing it with the podcast, with the articles. So just happy to be doing that stuff with you this year for, for baseball. And, yeah, let's catch up catch some stuff at the athletic uh, doing a show twice a week with Brad Ziegler and Jake Seeley. Um, that's uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. I'm going to have a pick show this week with Michael Beller. We'll be doing some, some NFL picks. And then for any hockey fans out there, if there's one or two, yeah. uh, I'll be doing a hockey show at the athletic as well, you know, come September. So um, appreciate you having me on, man. Looking, looking forward to chat with you again. We'll have to hook up soon. Yeah. We need to do this more often. Cause it's always fun chatting with you. Like we talked about, we kind of, we were talking about it when I when I set up this this little deal with you, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a good point you make. We don't talk nearly enough, so no, I, I think we need to do this more often." But uh, for now, this will wrap it up. But uh, again, thanks for joining me, my friend. No worries. All right, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode two hundred one with Chris Meany, your fantasy football wide receiver preview. Catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.